Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Is anybody excited to be at church today? Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron Burke. I'm the lead pastor. We are in a fin- the finale of a series that we are calling Church and State, where we are looking at all things politics, the election, government. We're looking at the church's role in all of it. I hope this series has challenged you. I've had a lot of people come up to me and go, man, I don't have a clue how you teach this message and preach these messages. I'd be a little nervous. I'm like, well, that makes me nervous that you would even say that right there. But it's been a great time. If you missed any of these previous messages, make sure you go check them out online. In week one, I gave you a phrase that I want to remind you about as we enter election week that I think you need to understand your primary assignment. So write it down in your notes right there on the app, or if you're in one of our physical locations, you can write them down also, that the church should be should model what it looks like to disagree politically, but love unconditionally. And we have to be a place that models this for the world. I'm, I'm proud of our church during this season that I see people in our congregation that are campaigning for one candidate and then the other people campaigning for the other candidate, yet they're both sitting in the same church, serving on the same dream team, giving towards the same ministry. Why? Because we are part of something bigger than what this world is part of. And we have got to model unconditional love in our actions and what we post and how we treat people. Can I hear a good amen today church so how are we going to take this to the next level let me give you in week four the finale what i believe could be the most uh, challenging thing that you need to learn when it comes to church and politics and you might listen to the title of this and go i'm not going to ever need this message you might need this message and if you don't need it on wednesday of this week after the election's over you might need it four years from now because everybody eventually is going to need this message i predict that this message will be our most shared message next Wednesday when there's a bunch of our nation that's all sad because of one way or another that you're gonna share this message and go, hey, hey, we got something to help you out. So here's what we're giving everybody today. Write it down in your notes. Week four, how to respond when my candidate doesn't win. What is a Christian response to our candidate not winning? I think it's important we understand this because we have not been really good at losing in the past. And when our person's not in office, or let me make it really personal, when you're the boss that you have is someone you don't like. When that leader, that director over you, that person gets promoted that you don't care for, how do you respond? We'll never forget the 2016 election. Obviously, it was a major surprise when Trump won, but then the reaction when they announced the next president of the United States was this girl who's sitting there. Do y'all remember this moment where all of a sudden they said, it's Donald Trump, and she screams, no! It was a moment where just we learned, man, people don't lose very well. Like, they don't lose very well, but this happens in all of our lives. You're just like this girl. Like, like hey, when, they, when the Dodgers beat the Rays, you were just like this, where you're sitting there and you're watching the game and all of a sudden, no, they lost. We've all had these moments, it's real, where we don't know how to win, lose. Or how about when you go to McDonald's and you want a milkshake, So you order the milkshake and the person is sitting there across the counter and says, I'm sorry, our machine is down. No, 
there it is, right there. I got about 20 of these. We can keep going if you like. That's a, it's a little fun. Hey, it's Time Change Sunday, and you're all excited because you get to sleep in an extra hour, and then you realize that you have little children that have no clue about Time Change Sunday, and your response when you see them awake is, no, there it is one more time. All right, can I give you one more? Because this is just fun. All right, so you tell me, you're like, hey, Aaron, we're going to adopt. And I think, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. That's the heart of God. I can't believe you're going to adopt. So I'm really excited. And as you're telling me, and then you say, no, 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 we're adopting a cat. And then there's, no, 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 okay, 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 okay. We got the idea. Okay, you got it. You got it. We don't lose really well. So here's what I want to challenge you with, because over this next week, half of our nation is, is going to be frustrated because their person's not going to be put in a into office. So what is our response to that? How do we act? I have good news for you today that every real issue we deal with is something that is addressed in the Bible. So if you have your Bible today, I want you to open up to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. The leader of the church addresses the church that's living in a really pagan society under a dictator that they that was really not just against the church but was persecuting and killing the church. And Peter, the leader of the church, said, hey, there's a way that we should act in this time. And it's not pouting, it's not frustration, it's not anger. He tells us the role of how Christians should act. And I expect and I challenge you to put this into practice this week, whether it's a boss you don't like or a president that you don't like that gets elected. I think there's a way that God has called us to act. I wanted you to see it in the scriptures. First Peter chapter two, it says, dear friends, he's obviously talking to the church right there. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Notice he doesn't say they're going to see your theology. Doesn't say you're gonna, they're going to see the books you wrote, you wrote or the bumper sticker you had or the t-shirt you wear. No, no, no. What are they going to see? Your good deeds. They're going to look at how you act when you're living amongst people that you don't agree with. Then it says it like this in verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to the human authorities that you agree with. Is that what it says, church? Come on, help me out online. Is that what it says? No, no, no. It says submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, which by the way, that emperor was named Nero, who they're talking about, who was persecuting and murdering Christians, as the supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who are doing right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people on Facebook. Look at it, it says it right there in the Bible. It tells you how to make people be quiet. By doing what? By submitting to authority. By living in such a way that you're honoring those who, who are over you. By living in such a way that it's such good lives through your deeds. It actually shuts up the rest of the people around you. It's a good lesson for all of us. Verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Well, that's radiant. That's pretty easy right there because we're awesome. And then it says, fear God and then honor the very emperor that's trying to kill us. Look at that interesting thing right there. How it tells us to respond. I want to give you today 
three responses of a Christian when their candidate doesn't win. What are the three responses that we should have when your candidate doesn't win? Which, by the way, this isn't me speaking negative that a certain candidate, one or the other, is not going to win. I have no clue what the election's going to be. But I do believe that our response should be the same no matter who is elected. I've been alive for 36 years on this planet. I've lived through, thank you for that, um, I've lived through six presidents, so I was born into, uh, Reagan was president, then Bush Sr., then Clinton, then Bush Jr., uh, George W., and then from him to Obama, then Obama to Trump, and I've lived through all six candidates, I mean all six presidencies, and I've realized the Christian response, no matter they're Republican or they're a Democrat, it's the exact same. We're called to live in such a way that no matter who is in charge, it doesn't affect how we react. And so I want to give you what our responses are because it does not matter if Trump or Biden gets elected on Wednesday, your assignment and your call is the exact same. So let us put this into a little bit of perspective of what our response should be. So number one, write it down in your notes that we live with an eternal perspective. We do not let temporary elections mess us up from our eternal perspective that we have. We are called for a bigger assignment than just a new president every four years or our guy or our girl getting into office. There's something bigger on our life. We are eternal people. We have a bigger purpose in this thing. Katie and I like to host game nights once in a while. So we'll have people over and we'll play some games. And I, I love it because Katie always cooks some really good food. She likes to show off what she does, but she cooks great food. And then I like to show off that I can destroy people in games. Like, I think it's awesome. You, I, you got a card game, I'll take you down. Like, I like it. So I, I like having the competition. But sometimes the competition gets a little bit of the best of me. So I don't know if you're a competitive person, but competitive people know that sometimes our best side doesn't show during those competitive moments. And so there's times that it'll get competitive and I'll start to lose. So I start to lose, I'll start to cheat a little bit. Like I'll do whatever it can, I'll do whatever it's possible. I'll bend the rules a little bit. I'll make fun of their mama. I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna win this game. And so as it gets really intense, I've had moments where Katie's actually pulled me aside. And she's like, Aaron, you're their pastor. Can you remember that? Like, remember this moment? Like, yeah, some of them, like, hey, Aaron, you're, you're, like, that's, you're their boss. Like, you can't treat people like that. Or you're their, you're their pastor. You're your friend. Aaron, hey, hey, listen, listen. You might win this game by acting like that, but you'll lose the bigger game if you keep acting like that. Does that make sense? Like, and, and what I realized, I want to have a family talk with all the Radiant Church. We might win the temporary game by doing whatever it can to bash people and defriend them and, and post stuff online. You might win a temporary game in that by getting your guy elected, but we'll lose the long-term eternal game if we don't keep things in perspective that what we're part of is bigger than what's gonna happen in this election. Amen. Come on, help me out today. It's bigger than what's happening in this election. So as important as it is, and you need to vote, you need to be vocal. You need to make sure you, you, you push justice and righteousness and we're gonna pray our, and we're gonna vote our values. All of those things we've talked about the last three weeks are important. But more than all of that, we have an eternal perspective. We realize that, listen, if your guy doesn't win, it's okay. Jesus is still on the throne. It's all okay. I love what it, First Peter says. First Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. What does that mean? You, this is not your home. 
I, I, love, I love this country. I love what we're doing. But I want to remind you, write it down in your notes, that we are Christians first and we are American citizens second. You are, you are, you are not who the political party you voted for. That's not your identity. Your identity is greater than that. You are that of a Christian. And let us remember that no matter who wins this thing. I think a great illustration I heard and is when it comes to football. Football has two guys, two different teams on the field with two different conflicting goals. They're, both of them want to win their game. And what do they do? They're in opposing teams. They're in conflict with each other. And they're going in two totally different directions. But what do they do? The only way to make that game win appropriately is that there it has to be a third team on the field. And who is the third team? The officials. That there are people that have been trained up. They're not, they're not the players. They, they, they should not, I mean, in a perfect world, they should not have a vested interest in one of the two teams winning or losing. What are they doing? They're an outside group that steps in. They've been sent by the NFL commissioner in New York City. They've been trained up. They've been given a book that is, gives them all of the rules and the assignments and exactly what to do. And their goal is not to determine or to care, really, who wins or loses the game. Their goal is to make sure that the game is done appropriately so that no matter who wins or loses the game, the bigger win is that football wins. Does that make sense? So, so they're outside group that is coming in to say, you know what, we're on the field, but we're not of the field. We're, you know what I mean? Like we're in the game, but we're not really in the game. We're actually a part of this game to make sure that there's a bigger mission that's accomplished. And that is the role of the church in politics today. Like, hey, we want to be involved. We want to speak our mind. But we understand it is not our goal to get one person elected over another person. Our goal is a bigger perspective that we are called to build the church of Jesus Christ to make his kingdom establish it on this earth today. And we got to keep our eternal perspective. That's why Jesus says it this way. He says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I have good news for you today. No matter who gets elected, Jesus, I wrote it down this way. Listen, as Christians, our default attitude is always that of hope. Because listen, it doesn't matter. As much as I care about who's, who gets elected, and I have strong opinions about that. But it doesn't matter because I realize our hope is in the fact that what is happening temporary does not matter to us because we are eternal people that are part of something so much bigger. Paul says it this way. Though we do not lose heart, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Why? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs us all. Now look what it says. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, which is the election results on Tuesday night, but what is unseen, which is the bigger kingdom of God. For what is seen, whoever gets elected, is temporary. That's four or eight years right there. But what is unseen, building God's church and making Jesus famous, that is eternal. And we have to keep that into perspective. Write it down. Because presidents come and go, but Jesus stays on the throne, ladies and gentlemen. He does. 
And we have to remember, listen, it, it, it's okay. No matter who's there, we keep our perspective that we're part of something greater than what's happening on this earth. Number two, that a change in leadership, here's our response to even if our candidate's not there, a change in leadership does not mean a change in our purpose. So you have a divine purpose on your life. And by the way, that boss that you have that you can't stand, that, the, the change in their leadership does not change your purpose. Your purpose stays the same. And we have to remember our purpose during this moment because what I find with Christians so many times is when the leadership changes, they give up and go, oh man, what are we gonna do now? Biden gets elected, what do we do? Trump gets another term, what are we gonna do? You know what we're gonna do? The same thing we always have done. We're gonna reach people for Jesus. We're gonna move them from where they are to where God wants them to be because our purpose stays the same. My favorite cartoon growing up was Pinky and the Brain. And I've shared this before where Pinky and the Brain would wake up every day. There was always new turmoil in the world. And Pinky was kind of the dumber, kind of airhead guy. And he would look at Brain every day. And he would say the same thing. If you grew up in this era, you remember this. He'd look at Brain and go, hey, Brain, what are we going to do today? And then Brain would respond with the same thing we do every day, Pinky. Try and take over the world. That was their whole thing. They had nothing else to do other than try and take over the world. It was like, it didn't matter what was going on. The mission stayed the same. Radiant Church, here's what we're going to do on November the 4th. Ready? The same thing we do every day, Radiant Church. We are going to try and take over the world. A change in our leadership does not change our purpose. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and we're going to do what God has called us to do. I love First Peter because he goes on to tell us, here's his challenge for us. He says, live such good lives. You go, I don't know what my purpose is. Right there. You live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and they're gonna glorify God on the day that he visits us. I hear spouses, this is a big one for spouses, for a spouse who, whose loved one isn't a believer. They go, what do I do? I'm living amongst the pagans. What do I do? Like, first of all, don't call them a pagan. It's probably not good for your marriage. But what do you do? Here, here's what you do. You don't have to preach at them. Live such a good life around them. Honor God with your life. And watch, watch how they'll look at your life and they'll glorify God when they see your good deeds. Our, listen, your life is a bigger message than any preaching ever will be. The way you live, the way you act, the way you give, that is what matters most in this time. So what do we do during this season? Write it down your notes. Listen, Christians don't win or lose based on who gets elected. We've talked about that. We understand we're a part of God's church. We will always win. But we do win or lose based on our attitudes and actions before, during, and after an election. And I want to help you guys because I'm telling you the stuff I see and the divisiveness that I see out there, it far will, 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 will uh, live on past what is happening this, in this election. I want us to live in such a way we are Christians first. Remember that. Remember that our purpose is so much greater than this election. It's so much greater, and we have to be, continue to do what God's called us to do. Even, listen, write it down in your notes this way. We do what is right even when the world is doing what is wrong. So, so everybody's talking this way. Well, everybody's divisive. Everybody's angry. It doesn't matter. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We act different than the world. 
By the way, we do not get our morality by what they say is right. We get our morality by what God has already said is right. So it doesn't matter if the Supreme Court says it's okay or the president says it's okay or they legislate that it's okay. You cannot legislate morality. You, we do not go to the government to tell us what is right. We go to God's word. He is our standard. He is our absolute truth. And we got to hold on to that during this time. So, so we're not lost in our purpose. Our purpose stays the same, which by the way, write it down in your notes, dark days, which everybody says dark days are coming. Guess what? Dark days come with great opportunity. I've seen it all throughout church history. You study church history, the greatest moments for Christians and the church are during days where there's great opposition. It's when the church grows so much. By the way, it's then they're in a time they kind of weed out who a lot of people who said they were Christians and really weren't. And what do you do? You see genuine faith during those moments. I actually think maybe January, February, we were a little too comfortable. Can I be real? Like everything's good. Everything's so comfortable. And what happens? The carpet gets ripped out under our feet. Now we figure out, are we really going to rely on God or not? Maybe the best thing, I'm glad I didn't say this earlier, but maybe the best thing for some of us would be for us to get a leader we don't like. Because then our faith stops happening in what's going to happen in Washington and starts going on what's going to happen in the throne room of God. Let's put it back on him. Let's put it back on our dependence on him and watch how we'll get through this thing. Let, Let me tell you, everything that is wrong physically in our world today is rooted in a problem spiritually. That is, that is the fact. This is why the church matters. Because every, the government can only fix the, the fruit. They can't fix the root. So when we, when we go to the government, we say, fix these problems. We, go, we don't realize, wait, wait, wait. They can't fix what, what only God can fix. The root issue of man is that our heart is wicked. It's messed up. We need God to change us. That is why the church is so essential and so important. Because we need God to fix us from the inside out. And he'll, he'll heal our land. He'll change us. If we do our part, that is why, write it down in your notes, that the church is God's answer for the world's problems, not the government. So I, I love our government. I support them. I, I, I honor them. But we have to remember that we are the solution to the brokenness in this world. And when you remember that, guess what? Then you don't get so frustrated by who gets elected and who doesn't get elected. Because you realize the problems you actually want them to solve will be solved when the church does their job. That's good good preaching today. I'm telling you, I'm helping you out. Because a lot of you guys, you just get so frustrated. I wish the government would fix this. No way, that's our job. We can fix this stuff. By the way, if we did our part, if we gave the way God wanted us to give, if we serve the way God wanted us to serve, if we spoke out the way God wanted us to spoke out, the issues that are so rampant in our society, the church would have resolved them years ago. Sex trafficking would have been eradicated. Widows would be taken care of. Orphans would be cared for. The poor would be helped. We would make sure we'd help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Their marriages would be solid. Their kids would be raised up in the faith. They wouldn't have identity issues because they would know who they are in Christ. We can resolve these problems. We just got to hit them spiritually first. And we are the solution to this. And I'm telling you, that is why our purpose stays the same. And I, I love this. By the way, I want, I want you to just understand this. Our church, by God's grace, um, has seen the miraculous happen in the last seven years. Miraculous. I mean, it, it never should have happened this way. We started in 2013. We've seen 10,000 decisions for Christ, millions given away to missions. But I want you to get this, okay? Lean in. The church started in 2013. This move of God 
that we're a part of today that was across five locations seeing so many people reached for Jesus started in 2013. You go, why is that a big deal? Because for a lot of you guys, your candidate wasn't in office in 2013. You were complaining, going, nothing good can come from this guy in 2013. And we haven't. We haven't. Why? Why? Because the leadership doesn't dictate our purpose. We understand who we are. So let me tell you, we were, we, we, our church started under the Obama administration. And guess what? It's continued to be awesome through the Trump administration. And I don't know who's next, but it'll be awesome throughout the next one. Why? Because our purpose stays the same no matter who the leadership is. It is the same with your life. Can I get a better amen than that today, church? All right, number three, the last one is simply this, and this is going to be the hardest one for a lot of us to swallow, but I got to be, I, I love you enough to speak truth to you today. Ready? We honor the position, even if we disagree with the person. Can I just challenge you for the last couple minutes I have and worship teams, you guys can come. Um, we got to do better at this. So let me, let me just say this. I'm going to say it with a smile because I love you guys so much. I'm about to step on a couple toes, but I just want to lean in. Because let me say it this way, before I, before I say anything intense, let me just remind you, the next Sunday is at the movies. So if you're mad at me, you come back next Sunday and it's a lot more fun, a lot more exciting and I'm Aaron Burke and I prove that message. Like that is the truth, okay? So just come back next week. But the truth is, I want you to get this, ready? Look what Peter said. He wrote in there, he says, listen, 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 you're foreigners and exiles. You don't even belong to this planet. So live an internal perspective. Then he says, live such good lives while you're here that they're going to see your good deeds. They're going to glorify God. So have your purpose. And then he goes to number three. He says, now show proper respect to everybody. Love the family of believers, fear God. And then he said it this way. He said, honor the emperor. Here's what honor is. Honor is choosing to look at the good instead of focusing on the bad. That's all it is. You don't honor people because they're perfect. There's not been a perfect person since Jesus on this planet. By the way, there are only imperfect leaders on this planet. So what is honor? Honor is not about the fact of you being able to say, oh, I found a perfect leader because you won't find one. You won't find one in me. You won't find one in your boss. You won't find one in a president. What is honor? Honor is choosing to look at the gold instead of the dirt in their life. And by the way, there's a lot of dirt in everybody's life. The honor that you give them, I believe, is the honor that you will, your employees and your, your children and your coworkers will end up giving you because they're going to see how you honor those people that you're over, that are over you. So we have to remember that we are people that are called to honor. And by the way, who did he say to honor? He said, honor the emperor. This is a guy who they strongly disagreed with a person, but he says, listen, we're going to honor that position. So what does that look like? We speak life into it. We pray for them. We focus on the gold instead of on the dirt. By the way, this is the call of the church. I met with our uh, mayor of our city in Tampa uh, earlier this year before the pandemic and just set up a meeting with her because she was new in office. And I wanted to kind of set the tone of like this relationship, wanted to be there for her. And there's a lot of things I would disagree with her about politically. But remember, I'm trying to win this war spiritually. So I remember I walked into her office and I was like, hey, Mayor, I'm so glad you took the time to meet with me. I want you to do two things right away. As soon as we start this meeting, two things. First of all, I'm going to pray for you often. And I'm going to pray for you often because the, my Bible that I believe in and I trust in, Jesus tells me I need to pray for my authorities and you're an authority in my life. You're an elected official and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for you often. So more than I ever criticize, I'm going to pray. And secondly, I will always honor you from my stage. 
Whatever stage God gives me, I will never use it to bash you. I'll never use it to tear you down. If I have a problem with you, I'll go to you personally. I'll not do it publicly. Why? Because my job is not to be critical. My job is to honor. And so I'm going to focus on this. Now, now you could go, well, well, what if there's a problem in this thing? That's where we learn to work it out with that person in their position. But we have to learn how to set a tone that what comes out of our mouth is always that of honor, always that of respect. Because here's what I realized. Here's what I realized. When you dishonor authority over you, whether that's a boss, that's a governor, that's a mayor, that's your director, that's the president, whoever it is, when you dishonor them, it doesn't reveal anything about them. Because listen, everybody already knows their dirt. Everybody knows their struggles. So when you dishonor, it doesn't reveal anything about them. It reveals a lot about you. It shows a lot about you. And by the way, for those of you that are in leadership, it also sets a tone for how you want those people underneath you to talk about you when you're not around. (laughs) Because guess what? You're an imperfect leader also. So what do we do? We lead with honor. So how do we lead with honor? Write it on your notes. We do not honor because they're honorable. We honor because we are honorable. So how do I honor those who are in authority that I disagree with? I don't focus on who they are. I focus on who I am. And when I am secure in who I am, I am better equipped to then deal with who they are or who they're not. So I honor them because I know who I am. So let me remind you today, Radiant, let's stand at every location. Let me remind you who you are. You are chosen by God. You're an appointed person that God has set for such a time as this to do great things. You are on a path towards an eternity away from God. But he who is rich in mercy, who is abounding in love, saved you. He's called you. He's equipped you. He's anointed you. He has positioned you. He has set you up for something greater than what you would ever imagine with your life. So let me encourage you today. Stop focusing on who they are or who they're not and start focusing on who you are and who God says you are. And when you're equipped in who God says you are, then you can truly do what God has called you to do. Lord, I pray for our church right now. Come on, receive this prayer. Lord, let us be a church that honors, that prays, that understands our primary assignment as Christians first, as believers who are on an eternal mission, foreigners and exiles that are here to live such good lives that though they may see our good deeds and glorify our God in heaven, use us, no matter who gets elected, to honor, to celebrate, to champion, so that we can be all that you called us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, let's sing it out together in every location.
one more time before we close today. There's a lot of people here today, you're not part of the family of God. I want you to know you can be. No matter how far you've gone, how much you messed up, God wants you part of his family. He wants to give you a fresh start today. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, we did our own wet thing. God, who is rich in mercy, he loved us. Went to the cross for us, he died for us. He wants to give you a fresh start today. I wanna challenge you, how's your relationship with God today? How are you, how's that relationship with God? Is it, is it a priority in your life? If you die today, do you have that assurance that you would be with Jesus? I wanna give you that time, that moment right now to say, you know what, today's my day. It's my day to recommit my life, maybe to commit it for the very first time to God. And I believe when you make that act of faith, everything will change in your life. This is your moment where everything changes. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to make a decision. Say, yep, today's my day. I'm deciding, I'm going all in with God. Giving them my past, I'm giving them my present, I'm giving them my future. Forgive them my sin, I'm going all in with God. And I believe when you make that decision, everything will change. On the count of three, you're gonna throw that hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down, and I believe God will change your life right here in this service. One, two, three. Come on, throw that hand up. That's you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Just make that thank you so much. Thank you. That's a huge decision. I believe God's speaking to you and saying, yeah, today's your day. Thank you. Just pray this prayer. Why don't we all pray it out loud together? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life, my past, my present, and my future. For the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, can we celebrate all those who just made the best decision of their life? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.